how can the dog possibly know the difference between when you mean it and when you were just doing it for fun? Welcome to Learning About Dogs, a podcast for people who love learning about dogs. I'm Sue McGuire, the manager of a canine behavior program at a Humane Society near San Francisco. And joining me, of course, is Kay Lawrence of Learning About Dogs. This is our first episode of our second season. 2020 will bring us a wide variety of topics. We are going to start with a little bit of this and that and some listener questions maybe later on. Later in the season, you could expect a significantly deep dive into the skills needed to not only teach people, but teach people to be strong and thoughtful teachers of dogs. But for now, we have a listen on a pet peeve of Kay's and mine. The difference between a trick and a behavior. And why does marketing a dog class as fun devalue the work we do? Something that I get confronted with as an instructor, as you get confronted with, is this is this notion that, oh, I'm not serious. Oh, I, I just want to do this for fun. And it sticks in my craw a little bit. And why? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not a little bit, a big bit. <laughs> it makes me choke quite often. And people go, oh, well, you won't like it because it's just a trick. And I go, it's a behavior. No, it's not. It's a trick. And I go, okay. So, you know, even 20 years ago when we were sort of really ramping up the clicker training, you didn't think about it's just a trick. You taught the dog something and you taught it to the standard of which you teach, which may go up as you learn more how to do it better. But to have this notion that some things you teach properly and some things don't matter from the dog's point of view, it cannot they cannot possibly tell the difference between when they're learning to do something like wipe their face with a paw, that's just a trick, yep. but to get off when you're walking towards them with a hot cup of tea, that's a life skill. Yep. When when how can the dog possibly know the difference between when you mean it and when you were just doing it for fun? You know, it, it's, it, it makes your hair stand up a little bit when somebody says something to you and you don't take it well and they come back with the excuse, oh, I was only teasing, I only just said it for fun. And you're thinking, it didn't hear, it didn't sound like it, it sounded like you meant it. Now, when that person says something next time, you're going to just have this slight suspicion. Were they being funny? Did they mean it? Or are they just teasing you? You know, and I just think... You can't do this to the dogs, but there's been such a boom in this trick training. And when we think about, mm -hmm. you know, 20 years ago, to me, a dog that's doing a trick would be doing something for a circus. And it was one of the big uneases that came out with the clicker training that, yes, we're going to teach these dogs things, but they're not circus dogs. You know, we shouldn't be making them, you know, sort of figuratively jump through hoops just to entertain people. So even when we were putting Here Work to Music together, um, we called it Here Work to Music, not doggy dancing, because, again, that has a little bit of a... People are, you know, just teaching dogs to do things for pure entertainment. To us, it was an activity where both the person and the dog could learn so much about each other. I mean, I've run classes in many, many different disciplines or fields, and absolutely, we've taught dogs to do behaviors like spin, walk backwards, weave through your legs, which were getting labeled as tricks. And I'm going, 
I don't regard these as tricks. So do we look at it as a trick as something that a circus dog does or literally to trick you into doing something? Um, and that, that brings up this time of year. We don't have this culture of trick and treat or i never grew up with it so if these kids are going around Mm -hmm. houses to get either treats which i presume is just sugar or a trick what would the trick have been i have i know i've never been presented as a trick because the kids just want the candy i mean usually it's a mean trick usually it's vandalism well yeah so you know could they ring the front doorbell and get a bucket of cold water in their face (laughs) oh it's just a trick Okay, <laughs> you know, a, a trick is essentially something to deceive somebody else. Yes, you know, it's it's I'm going to trick you into doing something, or I'm going to do this trick on you, which deceives you as to what's actually happening. So, how that translated into dogs doing tricks? Were they deceiving us that they were only pretending to do it? I, I don't know. Anyway, so it's now become a standard advertising marketing thing. Let's go to trick dog class, you know, and a trick dog. I don't know what a trick dog is. Um, I know. Okay, so I had to explain that to that. Is trick that a dog cat? Means, a trick dog? <laughs> but it means something in UK verbiage versus the United States verbiage. Trick dog actually means something in this. I mean, I have I have some people who actually have that emblazoned on a sweatshirt. I well, oh. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. There's a, a rather nasty activity called trick dogging in the UK, which has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with dogs and a lot to do with two people in the back of a car in a car park with lots of spectators say no more <laughs> okay even well, in europe they do trick dogging competitions you know which for me is like oh oh dear i mean <sighs> where did this start you think i don't I mean, know I, I don't i don't remember it 20 years ago i don't either i um maybe five years ago you started seeing these classes you started seeing these books you started seeing uh, i don't know and, and it's it it sort called- of become Okay, well, you don't have to learn things properly. You can come along to trick class and just mess around with training. So obviously I run a lot of weekend workshops for people who are not first contact. They are people who teach classes for other people in lots of different fields. And we're looking at generic things like how to put behaviors on cue, you know, how to build resilience and stuff like this, which can be applied to alert dogs or dogs doing casual behaviors as if there's a casual behavior. Um, You know, resilience is required whether you're looking for a dog to to run towards you, go over a jump, or stand still while you put a lead on it or whatever. Resilience is a common generic thing that we're looking for. But what comes up a lot is folk are telling me they go to trick dog class or they just teach their dogs tricks. So these things don't matter. So we have a two-tier view of teaching a trick is about... Well, it's just getting people into class and doing things with their dogs. And because they're doing things with their dogs, they are getting more engaged. Um, and I absolutely, the the intent behind running the trick class may be genuine and for the dog's benefit, as opposed to just, I can make more money out of people by running a trick dog training class, which I'm sure is on the increase. Mm-hmm. And people are getting attracted to be able to do cool things with their dogs, probably because of the promotion from social media. Yep, you know, so ooh, look, you can look at these trick dog stuff. Certainly, these got talent shows. How many times have I had an email? Would I like to compete in the next got talent because they're looking for more dog stuff? Simon Cowell, who promotes it, just falls inside out every time he sees a dog 
do a somersault, you're thinking, really? Mm. Um, you know, so there's this sort of um, build to try and do more amazing things because that's regarded as talent. We're not fact, it's got nothing to do with talent whatsoever. Um, we, we had a, a big discussion on a recent weekend about um, the dogs doing the these amazingly athletic jumps for catching discs. Disc dogs. Oh yes, yes. Um, and I, I watched a video on this, and it was it was a superb. You know, videography work. The camera work was excellent. The slow motion stuff. The music they had behind it, but not one slow motion shot showed you the dogs landing. Oh. Um, so these dogs were being you know, jumping off people in different ways and being caught and landing in their arms and catching the toy, yada, yada, yada. Oh, and they look fantastic and all this aerial stuff. But you didn't see them come down to the ground. And I just wonder how much they're masking what appears to be, ooh, ah, bigger, faster, higher in dogs. Yeah, and where do we actually start to think, this is not good for dogs. You know, this is about a person's ego. I can make my dog do a nine-foot scale. Oh, well, well, good for you. That's not good for your dog. That's the long-term damage for your dog. So, you know, how many dogs are going to be passed over because they're no longer fit enough to be able to do more athletic stuff? Yep. Um, but going back to the point of bringing more people into training, absolutely. Do we have to call it tricks? No. I don't think tricks does it any credit. I think it demeans the whole process. Let's call it, come to a class and teach your dog amazing things. Learn how to train your dog. Learn how to teach. Even the word training is, is still quite an old-fashioned view that we're training the dog to do something that is for our benefit rather than for their own benefit. You know, that training yeah. issue. I think that that's what we're struggling against. And I think maybe that's, I'm just saying that it's, it has to be more than just a marketing ploy or am I that ignorant? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'd love, I'd love to know what people get out of seeing dogs do tricks. I mean, you know, my personal hobby and I, you know, I say my job is teaching people. My job is learning about dogs, is teaching people about dog training, building up their skills teaching people about exercise, grooming, you know, the whole aspect of what we're learning about dogs. But my hobby, which I just enjoy on a weekend basis, and I don't teach this because I want to keep it as a hobby, is the heel work to music. But it doesn't mean I teach it to any less of a skill. Um, you know, I still teach it with the same diligence that I would teach a dog to walk past a tractor. You know, it, it's it's exactly the same level of standard. Um, I don't have a different standard because it's it's just a hobby. But quite often, I I don't teach my dogs tricks if they're going to do a behaviour like. Um, so Merrick, for instance, she's a Gordon Setter. I teach her to put her front feet into a low tub. And we were demonstrating this at some weekend and I heard somebody from the back go, oh, that's just a trick. Oh. And you could hear a pin drop in the room as everyone swiveled their heads and looked me in the face and thought, I wonder if she's going to do anything about this. <laughs> well, did you? Did you? Um, no. no. <laughs> Not no. at that moment. I thought I will no. hold on to this. Yes. Teaching her to put her front feet into bucket absolutely was not a trick. It's a life skill because as a fairly clumsy, exuberant dog, me getting smacked regularly with her feet would be standard. Yeah. Even now she can still catch you on the face or catch your 
arm just as she's coming up towards you when you're typing on the computer or something like this. So teaching her good proprioception skills as to where her feet need to be placed are a life skill for her. So when she comes running towards me, we teach her, if you put your feet in the bucket, you'll get greeted. You know, she doesn't do sits. It's not a part of her repertoire. But if you can learn to run up to me and put your feet in the bucket, the skills she learns from doing that are changing her gait from running down to trotting, down to walking, working out her perceptive distance from this bucket rather than from me, and learning the skills of how to control her momentum as she's running towards a target. So instead of me getting hit with this dog running at you, feet flying and all the rest of it, she's learning the skills of how to come to a stop in front of me. I don't need the bucket for the future, but helping her, training her to do this on the bucket from many different directions builds up her personal perceptive and motor skills for life. You know, this this is to me what life skills are. So somebody else would see that as a trick and I see that absolutely as an essential skill. Now, because I do want to do stuff to hear work to music and have it to benefit her, I also need to build her fitness in the way she moves so that I can ask her to trot in rhythm with the music. So I find a piece of music that matches her beats per stride and the number of strides she takes per beat for a minute. And we can teach her all sorts of elegant moves. She also learns some of the dressage moves where she moves laterally. Now, to be able to do that, the dog needs to have exquisite structure in their hips to be able to cross one leg over the other as they move laterally. So to isolate this, I put her front feet in a bucket and she pivots around the front feet. And by doing so, her back end learns how to do this isolated movement, which is terrific fitness for uh, the pelvis that's rotating, her ability to move out of my way when she's in the pantry, (laughs) her abilities to rotate on different angles, different places. Again, not a critical life skill, but it's a good skill for the sport I want to do. So just teaching her to stand into a bucket, like an important thing for any young animal to to learn how to be aware of their body and what to do. That's like saying that um, sort of teenage boys of 17 and 18 shouldn't learn how to play basketball because it's just a trick. Mm. They're learning tremendous amount of skills that will see them through life, working with other people, they're learning their motor skills, perceptive distance. I mean, all sorts of strategies. I mean, it's a massive amount of skills they're learning in that. But we still get that saying, oh, it's just a game. It's not real life. <gasps> and even if you just do basketball for fun, it doesn't mean that you learn it to any less of a quality than somebody who's going to do it for a profession. So if I was teaching a skill to youngsters, And this could be from music to basketball to sports or to young dogs. I don't know where the future of that animal is going to go. To me, whatever they're learning, they must learn to the best of their abilities and the best way I could teach it. And even if I'm teaching evening classes in college, um, 25 years ago, this might have been some computer skills. The computer skills I would be teaching somebody in college will have to last them the rest of their lives so do they learn it just for fun and it doesn't matter that they don't do it properly (laughs) you know it might have looked like just for fun when we were doing computers 25 30 years ago but look how integral that is with our lives now and how many people actually do type properly 
<laughs> sat in many Instead a newsroom. I think I, <laughs> I can answer that after sitting in many a newsroom. Um, yes. But I, I sort of feel that that obligation, the person who said, oh, that's just a trick, that, I, I, and I understand where you kind of sat that into, into your cron, didn't say anything, but I sort of feel like we have an obligation to explain why this is not just a trick. And I think yeah. that that's part of our failing. I can remember uh, being at some sort of training scenario. Uh, it was probably agility. And um, the instructor said to me, what tricks have you taught your dog? And I said, I don't understand. I was being facetious mm -hmm. on purpose. I said, do you mean behaviors? And she rolled her eyes at me. Wow. Yeah. And, and so that told me so much that um, I, I've had serious discussions when I've asked people, what's the difference between a behavior and a trick or a behavior is something like going off on one and a trick is something like a beg. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> ah. okay. So they don't want to look at a trick being a behavior. I mean, you and I know they're all behaviors. Yes, they they're are. all behaviors. Mm -hmm. Some other tricky areas we can get into the difference between a skill and a behavior, you know, mm -hmm. so a skill might incorporate several behaviors and often it does. It's like an umbrella thing. Like we talk about um, closing perceptive distance, you know, when you're running towards something, um, can you judge your perceptive distance to be able to run towards a bus and jump up onto the step, which, because we have an open back bus or, you know, if you're going to step onto a train, can you judge the gap between where you are and where the, footstep of the train is oh. these are perceptive skills sure. at the end of the day they're just behaviors but the skill you learn doing that uh that motor skill combined with that perceptive skill are skills that translate into so many different things so it's always become i've always fought the um oh we just teach behaviors and i'm going oh no 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 you teach skills you teach skills because if you teach the underpinning skills they can do thousands of behaviors and often it's the shift in the underpinning skill that makes the behaviors far more um, successful. Um, Give me an example. I mean, I, you're t we're talking obviously to each other's choir, but let's, let's define a little bit what we consider a skill and what is a behavior. I mean, you did use the, yeah. the perceptive mind the gap analogy. Yeah. Well, technically a skill is something that you learn and a behavior is something that is probably existing. So um, some behaviors are innate uh, and instinctive. So even though you might have good instinctive skills, like people talk about ball skills, you know, and this is often hand-eye abilities to catch a ball or catch a toy um, from the dog's point of view, can you actually teach that skill? Well, then we have to isolate what the skill is. And the skills tend to come in three areas, motor skills, which are not mechanical skills. They're the motor skills of moving your body in a certain way at a certain time. Perceptive skills, which is the eye being able to measure where you need to be with what part of your body and what speed. And then cognitive skills. Cognitive skills would be something like um, focusing on targets, um, end goals, let's get away from the sports things, um, cognitive skills, strategies, working out strategies, um, planning. Yeah, so these are all things that you learn. So a skill is not something you're born with. A skill is something you learn. But you could have quite, you could have inherited good eye-hand coordination as a person and then taking that inherited 
ability, we build that into a sports skill or you might have inherited um, musicality as a sort of genetic uh, component. We could take that into, you know, learning the violin, um, which would incorporate the actual motor skills of learning the violin um, would be blended with your musicality. Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay. certain breeds of dogs like Border Collies, for instance, are very visually acute. They have terrific ability to measure um, or to be able to observe movement, a very, very slight movement. They can see, so if they're looking at a bunch of sheep in front of them and one one of these users thinking, I don't like standing here, I'm going to go somewhere else. She will look where she's going to go before she moves. Well, the Border Collie can recognize that eye movement, which is a predatory skill. So we've taken these dogs that could that came with these innate behaviors and then incorporated in the skill of herding. So not only can the dog recognize when that particular sheep is about to move from the experience of seeing the buggers do it, um, but also he can move himself to exactly the right spot needed to be to say to her, not right now. Whereas the Gordon Setter, (laughs) you know, if she's running towards me, she'll anticipate I'm going to be at point B and she'll probably run past me before she realizes that her ability to anticipate I'm going to be at point B is not very accurate. You know the thing when you the dog's out running free and you call it as you're walking along and they look at where you're walking and they meet you where you're going to be by the time they arrive at you. Yes. Mm-hmm. God said it, not always. <laughs> Sometimes she arrives <laughs> behind me or through me or, you know, those sort of things. So when mm-hmm. you're running, they're coming through a gateway back into the garden, which is only a pedestrian gate. Half a dozen dogs coming through. I can tell you the ones that hit me are the Gordon Setters, not the Collies. So that's mm. a perceptive skill that they're combining with their motor skills to be able to run past something. Or, um, you know, things that we teach youngsters if they're running towards picking up a toy um, or they're going to learn to retrieve, they need the motor and perceptive skill that stops them overshooting. You know, when you throw a toy for a puppy at about 12 weeks old, A, you need to move the toy quite fast to catch their eye so their observation skill sees the movement. Make sure they're focused where you throw it. Let them go. Now, some dogs at 12 weeks old, some puppies at 12 weeks old, will come in on the toy absolutely and their mouth will be on it with no overrun. Other dogs will run towards it, miss it, hit it with their feet, turn around, come back, have another go, and it might be three or four goes before they can actually get their mouth on it. So those dogs are short on all the learning skills gap, as we'd say, is that perceptive motor skill practice. So I don't teach them behaviours, but I will play lots of different games that enable them to build those skills. And one of them would be just bowling treats across the floor for them to run and bite. You know, good visible treats that they can see against the background of the floor, make sure they watch it, and then they run to get it. And even now I I look at the capacity of certain breeds of dogs can do things earlier than other breeds, um, and that probably gives them an advantage. So I like to teach the dogs to catch a treat. Now, if I throw a treat head on towards Merrick, very little chance of her catching it. I'm pretty good at throwing to an exact spot, which is another skill. Um, and she will do what I call the air grab. <laughs> yep. And hope that the gob opens at the right time and that the treat goes down. Mm-hmm. You can actually test them. You can do these sort of hand gestures and not throw the treat. And the Gordons will think, oh, yeah, that was good. 
<laughs> and I think the most I've done is five air cookies before she realized I don't think I swallowed anything then. (laughs) So if she's facing me head on and I throw an underarm treat or even an overarm treat at her, she goes through the gesture and just hopes I get it in the right waste paper bin. Yep. Ah. But if I throw the treat slightly where she has to follow it with her eye, so if she's at 12 o'clock and I'm at 6 o'clock and I throw the treat to 2 o'clock, she will always get it. So there's a difference between going for something that's – so when something's coming in straight towards you, for her, it's much harder to visually focus on what's arriving, whereas if something is going past you laterally, she can actually see the movement and get it straight out of the air. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, yep. And even when you're teaching somebody to catch or teaching a child to catch, coming – at you is much mm. much harder than something that's coming past your shoulder and you can take it out the air and we play these games when we do the border collie workshops where people are teaching the border collies to, to catch a frisbee um and i they have to ha- understand the skill themselves you know if they can't be aware of what the skill is they're trying to teach the dogs then it's much harder to actually teach the dogs the same as if you're teaching the dogs to step in a pot i'll, I'll ask the people to do it first and you'll see when they do it, they have to look at it before they can be accurate to do it. Yet how many times do we often ask a dog to look at one thing but do something different with their feet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we want the focus on us, but, oh, look at the pole. What pole? Oh, oh that pole, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where they don't get to just cast it with their eye. I mean, part of this is the proprioception. There's a big build-up in proprioception workshops. Um, but in actual fact, proprioception is awareness of something So if you're sitting working at the computer, you put your cup of coffee down at the same place every day, you can reach to it without looking at it. But that Mm. is also a skill of perceptive distance and motor skill combining into proprioception. So being able to move through the environment is now becoming common knowledge that you need good proprioception skills. But everything we teach should be skills based. And even when you're looking at... um, teaching somebody you're looking at there's a skills gap here that i'd like to fill we identify the skill isolate the skill build that skill up again put it back into the scenario and then it all comes together i, I really do completely off track no 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 i mean i think i know i i just keep going back to we, we it, maybe it's just this is just a natural evolution of um what we are interested in maybe back in the old days we didn't question well you questioned and i questioned but we didn't question the compulsive nature of dog training and you know we evolve into clicker training then we evolve into uh what you're doing and maybe there's just a gap in the general public's understanding i'm teaching a class right now called the art of teaching dogs Mm -hmm. i just called it that because i couldn't think of what else to call it yeah, yeah, because yeah. I didn't want to put fun in it. Yeah, I didn't want to yeah. put, uh, and and I think that that's where our industry has failed the public at yeah. times. Yeah, in marketing things, this is. Horrible. I mean, I think it's a combination of the two. I think if we look back at, so my learning prior to coming into clicker training was in education, and you taught skills. So you don't think about teaching the behavior of reading. You think about teaching reading skills, Um, computer skills. You know, we call them skills labs, you know, so they would go to learn 
the skills of touch typing. <laughs> Dear old Mavis Beacon. <laughs> and if somebody, so this package, it's a typing package called Mavis Beacon. I don't know who she was, but I could I could ring her neck quite happily. <laughs> and the computer was designed, the program was designed that if you stuttered over certain letters on a keyboard as you're typing, it would ask you to type those words more often. So it would change the sentence that you're typing so that, for instance, um, words that had a say an A and S or a W in it that might be your weaker fingers on your left hand, it would put more of those words in until you built that up to the skill level. And it would measure your hesitancy over typing those words or it measure your error rate on those words. So it would make you practice those more. Absolutely. So this is normal to look at what is the skill that's missing? How can we set up exercises that improve the skill and then let it come back into integrating it back with the whole of the other package? So that to me was the late 80s, the early 90s. That was what teaching was about. That was what learning was about, was identifying the skills we needed to and these could be cognitive skills like being able to work together to be able to anticipate what the other person's needs were, still all skills. But then the minute we got into sort of clicker training, it became behaviours, left paw. Yeah, you know, I'm going to teach my dog to tap this with his left paw. Well, to be able to do that, the dog's got to have the skill of balancing on three legs. You know, and unless they've learned that balance skill to begin with, we shouldn't be messing around with that behaviour. But everybody then started to talk about all these behaviours that were training, which were end products, if you like, and not the actual process of learning how to do these things. So if I want to go to, I don't know, think of an evening class that people are likely to do. It tends to look like hobbies, but there's still things that people earn a living of, making pottery, you know, doing artwork on computers, building websites. You could go to an evening class and learn that a short amount of this in 12 weeks and your tutor is probably doing this for a living. So there are many people doing this for a living that then go back to teaching it for evening classes on a casual or hobby basis to somebody else. They would limit what that person's going to learn. So they're not going to learn the whole range of how to build many different websites or probably the underlying um, programming skills that need to be able to do different things that will slide across the screen and all, all the other fancy things they're doing. That's a three-year degree course. But they would work out what you need to be able to do to build yourself a basic website for your family or for a business that's got a limited number of 10 pages on it. And they will sift out what you need to learn, but they're not going to teach you to do it poorly because it's only for fun. You'll be coming back to the tricks thing again. Okay. They Their experience will say, for you to be successful in this 12-week period, what we're going to teach you is only... G, W, and Q. You don't need to learn the whole alphabet. Those three letters, if you learn those really well, you will be able to do all that you need to do in those 12 weeks. But you still learn them to the same standard. Hmm. And that's that's what's grieving me is that this, well, I'm only teaching it as a trick, so it doesn't matter that the dog doesn't do it reliably. It's an unstable behavior. Sometimes the dog does it, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it raises its left foot instead of its right foot. Sometimes yes. it lifts it 15 inches, sometimes it, it smacks itself in the face. Sometimes it stands in the pot, sometimes it falls over the pot. Are you with me? Sometimes it sits on its left hip, sometimes it sits on its right hip. Sometimes it doesn't sit at all. It's this like, 
oh, but it doesn't matter because I'm just messing around at it. It absolutely matters to the dog. It matters to the person that's building this website in 12 weeks. Oh, they don't need to know about that. Oh, they can do that badly. Nobody's going to know. Are you with me? It's this, this dumbing down to a poorer standard because it doesn't matter. And I just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So then it comes into the other question. How do you measure the standard? How do you know whether what you've learned is a pile of poo or it's really quite good? And I don't think people really know. I, yeah. I really, yeah. I, I, yeah. I see that over and over again. That's, uh, but that is probably good... that is probably the, the trouble we're getting into. So somebody, I think I saw an advert for something being marketed the other day, and as somebody who knows that topic, I looked at that and I thought, yes, sure. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't even know how to write a sentence. You know, it was so poorly worded and so poorly delivered that I thought, this looks like they're, this looks like whatever. So the people going to that, that the other end that are reading that information, they will just go, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll go and have a go at that. They don't mm-hmm. know whether it's going to be of any good quality standard. They wouldn't know that that person's going to teach them things that could potentially cause their dogs harm. You know, they won't know that. You don't know what you don't know. So how do you sift out the quality of what you're doing? Oh, well, it's good enough, as opposed to, gosh, I didn't know I wasn't doing this very well. I don't know. Big question. Yeah, and then those are the people I want to get to. Those are the people who uh, are starting to to question. And, and, those, and, and you don't know what you don't know, so you're very susceptible to that kind of marketing. But then for- you, you put the finger on the people that are starting to question. Those are the people that we can change. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it's, it's education. It's always coming back to education. How do you stop people being conned from giving their money away to these scams and all this social media stuff that is just stripping people of their money and their assets and their time? And, you know, how do you recognize a scam? Well, now we're getting better because people are getting more scammed and people are sharing more information about what is scams, what they right. look like. Could you check up on this first? Um, you know, things like, um, you know, these keyless um, cars that you have to keep, uh, you know, there's all sorts of scams where yeah. people are able to work through separating you from your money or your material or your dogs. So, you know, we are learning to be far more suspicious than we used to be. So even now, what would you tell somebody before they sign up to a class? Well, go watch it. Go and watch it. What should you look for? Do the people look comfortable in this environment? You know, is everybody having an equal opportunity to learn? Um, Do the dogs look comfortable in this environment? Are people taking time to do it carefully? You know, and even when I was doing teaching, we would all go and assess teaching as well, which is part of the job. Um, these are the things you'd, you'd look for. Do the learners have confidence in the subject knowledge of the teacher? And that was often one of the key indicators that this is a teacher that's standing in for somebody else, teaching the material that's written down, i.e. the standard teacher that put together this 12-week course on website building. Oh, dear, they can't turn up this week or we've fired them or ever. I tell you what, the person that does maths, they can step in and teach this instead because we have all their material. We have all their lesson plans and you can just just carry on doing it like that. Just teach what they said. And this will come out. Oh, well, I can't really get my dog to do this. So how can I do it? Well, I don't know. You'll just have to try harder. 
There's no depth of knowledge behind this at all. There's no depth of understanding so that if your dog doesn't walk nicely on a lead, what should I do about it? Oh, well, walk faster. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on this. Don't walk I, I, down that road. Are you with me? The, I, the answer yeah, is simply yeah. not there because there's not the depth of understanding to support right. that teacher. I, I think the biggest thing that I... I struggle with, uh, oh, I was meeting a client the other day. A couple other trainers had worked with this woman and her dog. And this other trainer called me and said, Sue, I'm at a loss. Can you help this person? And I said, well, I'll, yeah. I mean, it's not. I don't take too many private clients. But I said, you know, hey, what the heck? I've got some time. And I went over. And she was absolutely convinced that she was doing everything wrong. And it mm-hmm. broke my heart, Kay, to say, well, yeah, your dog is yeah. perfect. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. What what is it that's yeah. wrong about this? And her dog wouldn't walk down a street because it's terrified of traffic, had very traumatic experience as a youngster. And I said, well, you know, your dog is perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just kept saying that over and over to her, and she started yeah. crying yeah. because yeah. she had been told over and over again that her dog wasn't. Yeah. And that's the part that, that while I get irritated that people should know more, People don't know more. They and mm. and it's our obligation, I think, as as teachers, to say it's okay not to know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there again, the you know the dog trainer is expected to know so much. You know, it's a set. Okay, I'm going to just teach life skills. Life skills is a vast, vast mm. range of topics. When do you say? Actually, this is one life skill that I'm not going to get my head around. You need to go some to somebody more expert. Yeah. Well, where do I go? Well, I don't know, because this is not a field that I work in. You know, um, to teach one dog to do something, you know, I I have two breeds of dogs. I might teach them, my aim might be to teach them to be able to live in my environment, but the technique I get there would be entirely different for a Border Collies. It would for a Gordon Setter. I keep using those illustrations. So if I want to go for a walk around the field and I see the tractors are over the other side of the field and there's no fence between me and that tractor and I've got the Collies with me, yeah, whatever. doesn't worry me. The dogs always stay with me. If I've got the Gordon Setter, I think, no, I'll put her on the lead because (laughs) I know that seagulls like to follow the tractors when they're plowing. Yeah, Uh and what's the Gordon Setter going to think? Ooh, that might be cool. Yep. And I also have a think, the tractor driver's probably not looking too much about what's around him, i.e. because he's been doing this for 14 hours and he's probably knackered. If a dog starts to mess around because there's birds behind him, would he notice? Mm-hmm. So it's those two things are my risk analysis for one dog in one situation is entirely different from another. Would the average person be able to pick that up? No. No, no. Would the average and trainer... That- Probably not. No, no. And that's where I struggle in really feeling like we are letting down the vast majority of the dog owning public. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we are lacking that kind of information. Uh, So I I sort of feel like, you know, uh, lack of knowledge does not indicate lack of intelligence. So, no, 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 no. And that, and this, and or diligence. Or right. ability to teach well. I mean, my two illustrations, um, I had a, a, a guy come training with me who was a surgeon. And when he was going to train his Rhodesian Ridgeback puppy, I mean, we're just going to do put your chin on a chair, you know, because it's a good exercise for learning how to do shaping. It's a good husbandry exercise for life. And I'd always 
gone through the protocol of asking people to train in batches of 10. So we'd take out 10 treats out the pot, do those training, then take a break and review what we'd done and plan for the next 10. So when he came to class and opened his box of treats, his treats were already stacked in tens. I kid you not. <laughs> I did not know what he did for a living at this point, but he'd take 10 slices of meat and cube it vertically. Yes, 10 you know, um, yeah. so each stack he knew was 10 treats. When he put his clicker on his wrist, he'd put the clicker, you know, to have the lanyard around the wrist. He would have the towel on the chair because goodness me, she could dribble when there was food out. And he'd measure the distance between his knee and the chair. And I'm going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this is taking it. And then he <laughs> realized this guy is an ENT surgeon. You're going, Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. Please be yeah. this diligent that yeah. you have everything ready before you start. Because mm -hmm. you know what it's like. People sit down, got the treats, got the chair, got the towel, got the dog. Oh, forgot me clicker. Got to get mm -hmm. me clicker now. And the whole lot's lost. And there was a, a youngster watching him. Well, young, she's in her 20s. And she was more of this sort of like, oh, just go with the flow. Just have fun with it. Like da, da, da. And her jaw absolutely dropped at the diligence John did for getting this all set up and all ready and I looked her in the face and she said that shames me that shames me that I've always just thought I can just breeze it through mm. yes because he did take the time and when everything was ready I was holding on to the dog at that time he said okay I'm ready now and I thought yeah this has got nothing to do with being the expert at dog training this is about your personal standards you know if you're going to use the vacuum cleaner you check that it's empty before you start. You don't fill it up until the damn thing explodes and then go, oh, I never thought it's going to explode. You know, or it's got stuffed up. It's just that care and attention to detail comes with the person, not with the experience or the expertise or the knowledge in the subject. And I'm sure, you know, if John was learning website building skills, he would still be asking the same detailed questions because that's who he was. Mm -hmm. So somewhere along the line, we are missing the pleasure in learning how to do something properly. And that little bit of, um, you know, when you unpackage that chest of drawers that you're going to build from Ikea, do you count out that you've got enough of the bits? No, you start building it straight away. And then you realize <laughs> there's five oh. screws left over. You know, and yeah. then you find out actually Ikea always put a few extras in. You go, yeah, they do. Yeah, I should have read do. this first. You know, it's, like, <laughs> um, it's that it's that. OK, so if you don't make your chest of drawers well, you know, it's going to fall apart within a couple of weeks. Well, there you go. Then you might learn the next time around. But if you're going to teach a dog to sit and you don't teach it well and you're not reliable and you haven't understood how to put it on a cue, you haven't rewarded it regularly, and the dog is just, yeah, whatever, I just don't understand whether she wants me to do this now or whether she's going to answer the phone. I don't I don't get this. This is the dog that doesn't get to carry on living with you. Mm -hmm. This is the dog that we failed because we didn't spend enough time. And in a way, it's got almost nothing to do with who you go to for a class. You would be, this information is out there. It It, it doesn't, it's not a... It's not a specialist job to be a dog trainer, same as it's not a specialist job to be a parent. It's just about doing your research, knowing what you're doing before you start doing it. But I actually d disagree with you slightly in that as an instructor of a dog training class, this should be part of what you're doing. This should be, you know, propping up and providing the framework for people. I mean, I hate that. Well, that's your job as a teacher, not as yes. your job as a dog owner. Oh, that's well, your job I... as a teacher. But how many 
people go to learn to become your professional instructors, as you call it, and actually learn the skills of instructing. Yeah, you know, yeah, where are people yeah. teaching coaching skills? Yeah, they they're do. not. They're just going, this is how you get the dog to sit. Watch me, blah, 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 blah. Okay, have a go. And you're going, hang on a minute. What's, what's the skill that you just asked me to do here? I, I don't understand it. How am I supposed to move my hand here? I don't know how to do this. You know, so where are the skills of teaching, which is the same as dog training, this is the the big gap to us. It's not the knowledge about the fact that Gordon Set is going to take off across the field and, you know, follow the tractor with all the seagulls. <laughs> would never have stood a chance of getting a back off that. That would be heaven for her, wouldn't it? Um, oh, it would be, yeah. It define fun. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Buy yourself a tractor, why not? Yes. Um, oh, really, lady. You know, that skill there is um, skill of risk assessment. And we know how many people just have not learned the skill of being able to do risk assessment. Oh, I never thought that if I tried to jump off this roof, I might break my leg. You know, there are certain times in life where the brain just doesn't compute those sort of things. You have to teach youngsters skill assessment, risk assessment. Yep. Um, but that is part of the teaching job. How can I assess the skills that this person has? Can I use the skills they've got from their job or from other things they've done in their life and bring that into this 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 training they're going to do with the dog um but just as equally i you know i might have all this stuff but i can't teach 300 people a week how to do all this i have to rely on teaching other people to teach other people and so it goes down the the pyramid if you like um mm -hmm. but i do think there's not enough emphasis on learning the skills of teaching you know when we used to teach when i used to run the teaching people teaching dogs classes safety was one of the first things okay so where are people coming into this room here so if a dog needs to go out in a hurry how would it get out of the room uh will it go back out the way where people are coming in do you think that might be an issue oh mm -hmm. yeah i never thought about that okay mm -hmm. so where are you putting your chairs where people are going to sit well i thought they'd all sit here but aren't they sitting in the doorway where other dogs are coming in now oh mm -hmm. yes where do you think their dogs are going to be oh yeah i never thought about that you know so we're always working on what are the skills needed for teaching? What are the skills for safety? There's an alert. dog's barking at. <laughs> Speaking of safety. I'm just something to do with the sheep. Um, yeah. But, you know, in, that's a good example. In my environment, I want to know when there's something going on in the field next door. But, you know, when you live in an urban environment, you can't have your dogs barking all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't see what the dog's looking at, seems, but I can see I the sheep are all looking at something. So it's something important. Well, it's, you know, it's kind of a half-hearted, rough, yeah, rough. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, the sheep's oh all back to eating now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we, need a, we need an entire, you know, an entire nation of people teaching other people about dogs. And it's the teaching process that is often the, the bit that's missing. You know, as you said, that woman that was made to feel like a failure because she couldn't learn from that person. Yeah. Yeah. And who was the one that failed? Well, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I know that we've been kind of, this, this subject has been going around and around with our little groups that we've been talking about. And uh, you have a line in, in one of your most recent posts where you say that the dog, they cannot know when to try their best and when it is just for fun. They can pick up mm -hmm. our intent and I think somebody said, when we use the term trick, people's body language changes. And when we use the term behavior, they tend to get grumpy trainer face. 
Have you, have, I wow. mean, have yeah. you, I've seen yeah. that happen. And then yeah. you go to a tricks class and people are laughing, having a good time, supposedly. Yeah, but it's. And they're looking at the people and not at the dog, obviously. But, yeah, but you should always question if, if they're not having a good time, then we're not teaching. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're teaching a dog to walk safely by your side past horses. It should still be an enjoyable process. It's not, it's not supposed to be hilarious. Yes, it's not supposed to be fun. And if you're teaching a dog to put their front feet up on a, you know, a stool, it still has to be done carefully. It's no less important that you teach this with enjoyment and you teach this with pleasure. So there's, to me, there's no distinction between what you're, what you're teaching at, at all. I suppose in a way, as, as people, we've got, if I don't get this, that dog's going to have to go, you know, in your situation, the dog's going to be relinquished into a shelter if I don't get this right. Or if I can't do this, my husband's going to make me get rid of the dog. Or yeah. I want to be able to let my dog run free, but it's not going to be safe unless I can do this. So that changes the urgency that you might have in getting this right. Um, but it doesn't change the way you teach it might change your motivation to doing it but that shouldn't affect the way you teach it so you know if you're teaching the dog to do something you know even if we're um we were messing around teaching um the dogs i was teaching the person the body language of the opportunity where the dog was most likely to be cue seeking so in the barn we had three or four of the youngsters were standing quietly on one side of the rowing park and a young Cocker Spaniel was off lead and I wanted, the woman kept saying, come Charlie, you know, you know, come, come now, you know, the rest of it. And Charlie was busy zooming around all over the floor. You know, there's no way he had the ears on at that moment to give her any degree of attention whatsoever. But then he poised for a moment and stood with one foot in the air because one of the chickens <gasps> clackled outside yeah. the barn. Yeah. And at that moment, she just looked at him and I go, now, oh, and then the moment's gone. <laughs> So, yeah. so to me, identifying the skill gap was her ability to recognize the chance of success when she said, Charlie, come. Mm-hmm. And so we stood together and watched him. And actually, I was, I was very naughty. I opened the back doors, which has a fence outside there. And goodness me, there were chickens. Mm-hmm. So this is a working cocker spaniel, chickens, fence. So, and she's like starting to... To, to sort of melt very quickly going oh, it'll never work never work. i said let's just watch okay so charlie goes you know his heaven's just arrived and he stood at this door absolutely poised tail going 19 to the dozen and he just stood there never seen a chicken before oh my goodness me oh my goodness oh my goodness me and i had my elbow in the middle of her back and i said the minute i poke you you say charlie come and you could see he was looking at the chicken looking at the chickens looking at the chickens and it was like he wanted to say he wanted to, you know, sort of text his mum about, look what I've just seen. I've seen chickens. And he disengaged from the chickens and looked straight at her. Mm. At the moment, I nudged her in the back. And she went, Charlie, come. And he came. No problem at all. Uh, I love that. And she froze. <laughs> no, but she froze at that moment. And I yeah. had to shower the dog with treats. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the skills gap wasn't about Charlie not coming. It was about her not waiting till it was likely to be successful. Mm. And this was... Yeah, okay, so he's looking at chickens. They're safe, risk assessment. Can he get to the chickens? No. Yeah. Are the chickens bothered by him? No. No. Would this behavior naturally change in a moment or two? Yes. So that was 
just my experience. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. So she watched him and watched him and watched him. And then he chose to look at her. Even and it was just so after that she she could see her starting to okay so let's let's have, have a panic look moment. oh my goodness yeah. so he's, and and you could just see her starting to go so I I've got to wait for him to to look yeah 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 this was the mm. skill that needs to be filled in at that moment in time and I think that's fun well it it it's it's about well what a class is about teaching the dog to sit Ask not in the slightest <gasps> teaching observation skills oh yes oh, yes yeah. oh just wait 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 for it. Wait for it. There yeah. it is. So, you know, when we talk about the cue technology, when should you give a cue? When it's 90% mm. sure it's going to be responded to. Yeah. You know, it's this cue seeking thing again. So the dogs may not look at you, but you know full well they are so engaged in something else at this moment in time, you stand not a chance in hell of getting a response. Don't yes. open your mouth. No. So that's that's the, that's that's the teaching skill. That's the class skill. That's the skill of teaching, identifying the skills gaps. Yeah. But right. I tell you, if I ran a course on learning how to do teaching skills for people, nah. But if I run a course on Kay's doing trick training class, oh yeah, oh, <gasps> wait, you'll have a wait list out the door. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then those of us who know you will go, wait a minute. Yeah, she's definitely gone wawa. <laughs> Or she wants a new car. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that. I've heard that. Somebody told me I better learn clicker training because I need a new car next year. And it took me oh. a good couple of minutes to realize that they needed to market, have a new marketing strategy to earn some more money. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so you're not going to be a clicker geek then, are you? No, 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 no. no. no, no. Yep. No, so, right. and we, you know, we'll get the same thing. I teach the dogs to do a, a behavior. Walk backwards. Go around a, a lantern and then come tail first back towards me and stand at my side and then look at me. Oh, okay, that's such a good trick. How do you teach it? You know what the answer is? Carefully. <laughs> and you can see them go, oh. Oh. Yeah. She's not, she's not going to so Everybody wants her. the shortcut on how to teach it. Carefully. Yeah. Carefully. Yeah. Oh, no, I haven't got time for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> in 2019. Listenership remains strong. We see people taking a peek at the podcast and thank you for your continued support. In fact, we encourage people to go listen to the first season because they are chock full of information that should give you much to consider regarding how we work with dogs and their people. For more information and links to articles and courses, be sure to look at the episode notes and Tell a friend, fellow trainer, or dog person to take a listen to the podcast and give us a rating on Apple iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening.